Welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. This special episode is in partnership with Clearwater International. I'm Juliana Needham, a journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're looking at the trends driving deal activity in healthcare and exploring the findings of a multiples heat map produced by Clearwater International and Unquote. I'm joined by Marcus Archer, Managing Partner and Head of Private Equity UK, Ramesh Jassel, Director and International Head of Healthcare, and Stefan Sachsenhauser, Managing Director with a focus on life science and healthcare transactions in the DAC region, who are all at Clearwater International. So thank you all for joining me today. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Juliana. Nice to meet you. You too. So, Marcus, we're going to start with you. Could you give us a brief introduction to the heat map, please? Yes, absolutely. So we at Clearwater International, um, over the past few years, have working in collaboration with Unquote, uh, producing the multiples heat map. And the purpose is to identify the major themes driving EV to EBITDA multiples across the European private equity market. And the objective really is to help investors to understand trends across regions and sectors, which we hope will help them make better investment decisions. And Marcus, staying with you, it looks like deal volumes across Europe performed strongly during the first quarter, far above the average of recent years. Could you put that into context? Because that was against a backdrop of an exceptionally challenging deal-making environment for the first quarter of 2022, wasn't it? It was. I think the themes coming through are you know, both geographic and sector-specific. Um, so we've seen continued strength across UK and Ireland you know, and the Nordic and the French regions in particular. Uh, where volumes have been maintained and multiples are still high and investors are finding they're having to pay very big prices for attractive assets. Um, The backdrop overall to the challenging market has been a bigger focus on resilience in due diligence and many investors for obvious reasons are now thinking about what the next three to five year period might look like um, if various events across the world are causing some sort of slowdown. So we're seeing a bigger focus on that from, from, from the PE fund due diligence advisors uh, we're certainly seeing some themes across other sectors, particularly businesses focused on business to consumer or focused on industrials where energy prices are going up or supply chain is becoming harder, where deal making for private equity funds has become more challenging. Um, and where overall we're seeing as a result of those two things a much bigger flight to quality. So the themes of strong management team, resilient market, growth prospects, proven track record, buy and build opportunity, um, a bigger focus on ESG, a bigger focus on tech enable and the disruption are the key themes which are driving the, the volumes um, and the point around lots of dry powder with mid-market private equity and large-cap private equity across Europe is still maintained. Um, and they're all still very hungry to look for deal opportunities in the current market, which is driving that high levels of deal volume and maintenance of high pricing across Europe. Great. Thank you. And Ramesh, coming to you, what are the major sector-specific trends that are driving deal flow in the healthcare space? Just before we go on to that, let me just set the scene in terms of what's happened over the last two years because of the COVID experience. What that has done is it's drawn attention to the healthcare sector from both generalists and dedicated healthcare investors with a flight to stable anti-cyclical markets like the healthcare market, which has been reinforced with a great start to the year with 33 deals in Q1 of 22 versus 23 deals in the same period last year. So a 30% uplift. And what's driving this is there is, because of the lack of social mobility, there's been a backlog of elective surgery, pent up demand across across Europe. And that has been built up. That needs to be 
delivered by providing services, and that needs to be funded by the public sector or the private consumer payer market. So all of these positive trends and the aging demographics are driving a flight to these type of businesses, which is driving the deal flow into the sector. One of the other things I'd like to just pick up is uh, there is a, a natural healthcare staffing services problem, specifically in the example I'll give is in the UK, where workforce management is a very, UK PLC workforce management is very poor with about 105,000 vacancies in health and social care staffing. About 4,000 doctors and 20,000 nurses are required just to bring pre-COVID waiting times for elective surgery back up to speed. So with that set, by setting that scene, I think it shows that private equity will continue to show strong interest in the healthcare market. And how are these trends affecting the prices commanded by assets in the sector? Well, what you're seeing is lots of investor capital is chasing healthcare targets. And what that means is PE is keeping trade buyers at bay, even though a lot of the healthcare listed company multiples are trading at low to high double digit multiple multiples. The PE are still very much interested in investing in this market and beating some of its corporate competitors. And one of the things that PE do enjoy and which excites them is access to high quality teams, management, good management teams with strong role in growing the businesses with a strong growth story. Um, For example, in the healthcare consumer market, which I'll talk about later, where there's been a lot of investment and a lot of activity by PE because a lot of those businesses have traded well during COVID and out of COVID. And those assets are commanding low to mid double digit multiples. Great. Thank you, Ramesh. And Stefan, coming to you, zooming out a bit and looking at the bigger picture, to what extent are economic and political headwinds having an an effect on the sector? I mean, we are faced with a several bundle of uh, headwinds, but there's nothing around which is quite specific or should mean a sort of new risk. I mean, we can divide that perspective um, into two areas. I would describe it on the basis of a view on uh, farm and medtech versus a view on provider care, because there we can separate a little bit um, specific um, regulation um, impacts and results. Um, farm and medtech wise, I mean, we learned a lot by the pandemic, I would guess. Uh, in general, the pandemic experience uh, presumably will help to accelerate um, speed of the approval processes for both developed drugs as well as um, medical products. However, the complex track from research and development proof of safety and efficacy into a go-to-market still remains uh, highly cost-intense and for sure uncertain. And although digital health and healthcare modernization solutions um, are supported by the regulatory authorities, and I mean that will speed up um, the further commercialization of drugs and medical products. Uh, probably we might be faster uh, than we are actually. Um, but the regulatory world is based on a variety of uh, regulations and certifications in every stage of the value chain between research, development, manufacturing, packaging, and distribution remain quite complex. Um, when we change to the provider care perspective, I mean, a good example to understand the headwinds, which, I mean, 
we we were faced with in the past and we will have to deal with also in the present and the future is driven by uh, the efficiency of a healthcare system. Um, an inefficient healthcare system is always the strongest basis for economic and political headwinds, um, especially visible in provider care area. In the past, the system was inefficient and cost intensive to service providers as doctors, hospitals who maximized their income uh, without sufficient control by the payer. After introduction of fixed budgets um, for defined and pre-valued and valuable services, um, the potential of providers' top-line growth was capped. Uh, this was one part of getting a little bit more control in, in that lack of the system. Um, that made the system more efficient, also driven by market consolidation impact through increased P engagements. This is a big drive of that. Um, and as the top-line-related growth potential was limited, um, the optimization uh, or the um, the optimization of the bottom line, uh, driven by by, by cost savings, um, also was focused, uh, or it was a reason out of that. If the top line is focused uh, is capped, you need a stronger focus on the bottom line, and that happened also on a quite decent level. But exactly that leads uh, to pressure on both care employees. Uh, performance as well as care quality. Uh, and uh, if efficiency increase and quality pressure is not well balanced, political involvement will increase too. This is what happens. And in addition, I mean, the sale of a public hospital, for example, when we talk about provider care, will always remain highly emotional and therefore political, political in its specific region. One of the other things I'd probably add is access to long-term public funding help secure recurring revenues. That's why PE are interested, because of the contractual long-term contracts with publicly funded services, it incentivizes PE to invest. Um, and that will probably continue. However, the healthcare demand has to be met both by private sector and public sector. And the headwinds that I can see playing in a negative impact way, which we need to be wary of or keep a close eye on is the macro uncertainty going forward um, specifically inflation waging wage wage increases energy prices going up disposable income challenges consumer confidence but to be fair i think it's too soon to say at this stage we need to see how the following two quarters perform but we do need to keep an eye on it and especially the interest rate Thanks, Ramesh. And staying with you and within the healthcare arena, what are the especially hot niches or subsectors in terms of multiples being commanded? Where we're seeing most activity is consolidation to consumer-focused healthcare companies, specifically areas like the dental market, where we've seen a lot of deal flow activity in the last quarter. The IVF clinics, where we've seen some two interesting big acquisitions, which I'll talk about later. Um, other other sort of domestic roll-ups of, for example, medical imaging services and audiology services. So I think that those stable businesses with a mixture of public and private payers uh, will show a good continued interest from the private equity market. Other areas we're seeing interest also is specifically in farmer outsourcing. However, most of that activity has been with strategics, but private equity are trying to play hard in that particular market to get access to 
up and coming farmer outsourcing forward slash commercialization businesses, which is sort of the new trend because they are global businesses with very strong anti-cyclical metrics associated with them. I mean, all of the Western European countries uh, are, are quite attractive um, when they will look on life science and, and, and provider care, major drivers. Uh, when we look on pharmaceutical, uh, we have strong presence in, in countries like uh, the UK, like France, like German-speaking countries, especially Germany and Switzerland. This forms a little bit the importance um, of this pharmaceutical area in, in their locations. Also, from a diagnostics and biotech-driven point of view, France is a, a big player in the European context. Um, they're also quite um, active in, in progressing and pushing biotech straight forward, although we have to say that from a European perspective, um, diagnostics and biotech-wise, maybe we are a little bit ahead of, of the US market, but anyhow, we stay closed and there is a lot of improvement potential, especially in the exchange of innovation technology um, between those two uh, continents. Uh, UK is quite strong also in our point of view in, in, in uh, pharmaceutical business due to some major um, pharmaceutical providers there and also in the pharma outsourced services area. Um, as already mentioned that, that this area is, is, is quite important and, and for sure that makes also UK as a highly attractive um, country in, in, that, in that area. And I mean, when we talk about provider care, for sure, France is a, a, a big driver here in the European context as well, uh, the business in Germany is highly established and quite important. So there are a lot of uh, um, industries around that forms the importance of different European countries. But as a result, Western Europe is a important uh, region uh, in total based on the fact that also in comparison with other countries, uh, the healthcare related expenses per capita is uh, in all of those countries one of the highest. And that makes the reason why those economies and those uh, uh, regions are highly healthcare and life science uh, related when we talk about importance. Ramesh, bringing you back in here, which healthcare deals in the first quarter of 2022 struck you as being particularly interesting or significant? As mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, one of the things that I'd like to pick up is the IVF market. And within the IVF market, you've had two big transactions happen in the last quarter. One is care fertility, been acquired by Nordic Capital. You know, trading was a double-digit multiple in terms of what it was sold for. The, the second deal was IDI RMA, which was acquired by KKR. So two big deals in the IVF space. And the beauty of the IVF space is, is that the trends are pretty stable. Uh, IVF is an emotional purchasing decision, and you will do whatever it takes to get impregnated and IVF is a great way of uh, showing how healthcare can work wonders in the market and the other thing driving it is because it's an emotional purchase people will not necessarily use public funding to do it and they will use private pay then their own funding and there are two examples of where you're getting further consolidation across Europe. Um, IVI RMA has brought in the UK with Create Health in the past, and Care Fertility went from Silver Fleet to Nordic Capital, and Nordic Capital will try and roll out the IVF across Europe. So, you know, an, another great story around 
private equity rollout of these type of businesses, specifically those that are um, sort of hitting both the public sector funding, which is slowing down in that sector, but also the private pay. Um, and then the only other deal I'd also uh, sort of like to point out is uh, the dental the dental consolidation happening across Europe. Europe. One of the businesses in the UK, Rodericks, recently acquired Dental Partners. Um, both deals happened in the first quarter, and <clears throat> both both were PE backed, and with the result of the, one of the PE houses buying it called Capvest, which is consolidating the market. Off the back of that, we are seeing other dental practices that have been reported across Europe that are, that are going to market, that being Dentex and the European Dental Partners. Great, thank you. And and Stefan, coming back to you, which healthcare deals kind of were the most interesting or significant for you in the first quarter of this year? Yes, there have been a few. Um, those who I liked much and more is strongly related to key um, trends in the pharma area as well as in the digital health related area in a combination with uh, CDMO related um, area because all of those areas are quite interesting uh, in that surrounding. When you talk about pharmaceutical, I mean, the most attractive targets um, have the potential for high multiples when they are located in the, in the area of uh, cell and gene therapy, mRNA, and the digital therapeutics surrounding. Therefore, I like um, quite a lot um, two, I would say, major deals. Um, one was the um, acquisition of Axelid Corporation. Um, realized by Merck in Germany. It's a highly interesting um, acquisition due to the fact that this is a huge and quite important um, biopharmaceutical-driven um, CDMO uh, in the U.S., especially in, in, in such a key market for biopharma. Therefore, I like this deal um, quite much, and therefore it's a significant one for me, a good measure. And also, I mean, when you talk about Q1, maybe it's at the limit at the end of Q1 when you talk about this big CDMO deal of Astalk, uh, which bought, uh, which acquired uh, Cordon Pharma. I mean, Cordon Pharma is a perfect example what drives uh, the market from a, a, a life science and healthcare as well as M&A perspective. It's a provider. It's a CDMO um, provider of um, yeah, fast-moving drug modalities. I, I already mentioned this key area in RMNA and, and excuse me, RNA area, and uh, also they provide peptides. They they manufacture peptides and develop peptides and high potency compounds in one of the major uh, treatment areas as oncologics is, and therefore those three deals I would mention as key for the first quarter of 2022. Great, thank you. And one final word from you, Marcus. We spoke earlier about the challenging deal-making environment of the first quarter of 2022. Stefan touched a bit on the challenging kind of geopolitical and economic issues facing deal-makers now. How do you see the, the rest of 2022 panning out? Yeah, crystal ball question, Juliana. That one, I think many people you know, would like to know the answer to that. You know, I think for the time being, we're, you know, we know what we're dealing with in the market right now. Um, there could be some major shifts which impact behavior and investment decisions you know in the future but for the time being i think the point we discussed earlier around um, the checking in on the resilience of businesses and their markets um, etc is going to be the key point for for investors to think about in their decision making processes um, so we're expecting to see similar levels of deal volumes across those uh, more resilient sectors than we have done in the first quarter 
the same challenge that just described around diligence areas. Um, and listeners from Mesh and Stefan, it's pretty clear that healthcare pharma life sciences as a market across Europe is, you know, one which is going to continue to be very resilient and a winner, you know, with a huge amount of, you know, support for the various different aspects of that industry. Um, so expect to see those those trends identified today is continuing into the next quarter and for the rest of the year. Great. Marcus, Ramesh and Stefan, thanks very much. That was Marcus Archer, Ramesh Jassel and Stefan Saxenhauser, all of Clearwater International. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. This special episode is in partnership with Clearwater International. Please rate, review and follow or subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and on your Merger Market News Alert. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us again next week.